sometimes I wonder why I spent the lonely night dreaming of a song, the melody. Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my main man and partner in crime, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, my brother? I'm doing very well, sir. And yourself? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm really excited about today's uh, topic. It's something that, uh, you know, part of the world doesn't see as absolutely necessary. But uh, in my opinion, it's definitely necessary to um, talk about, uh, you know, starting another civilization on another planet other than Earth. What happens if... Earth gets messed up. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, scientists have said that just like when the dinosaurs got hit by a meteor, that the Earth is going to be subject to that again at some point. Uh, it's not an if, it's when. And uh, look, if we don't have an alternate plan, we could be in a lot of trouble for not just, not just us, but I mean as the human species in general. And Mars should just be the start like there should be we should be sprinkled around humanity should be sprinkled around many different planets yeah i mean uh it it seems like uh mr musk has got a plan for that and you know in my opinion anything that he set out to do so far he hasn't uh come up short well he revolutionized the whole auto manufacturing uh segment and that was Never done before. Well, he was outselling every automotive company combined at one point. I mean, the electric vehicle was a prototype. They had some out there, and then he just took the entire industry by storm. And now, if you're planning your future as a car company and it's still combustion engines, you're planning your past, really. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I see some commercials for um, some other automotive companies out there, and they're showing the trucks and the cars that they have that are going to be, or that are fully autonomous and full, fully electric cars. And whenever I see them, I always think to myself, is that buying the lesser than version? I think I'd rather get it from the person that, you know, basically invented the technology exactly and and go with that uh i mean did he have stumbles along the way of course is he gonna have stumbles along the way i mean yeah but if you think that you can do better step right up and start inventing electrical cars and build a rocket and go to space and have that your uh rocket come land back down on a landing pad and he was blessed with uh luck skill a lot tons of skill and he surrounded himself with great people but at the same time they were having uh, rockets blow up at the very beginning. Oh, yeah. I think by the seventh time that if they would have lost the next rocket, SpaceX would have been bankrupt, and that would have been the end of it. And we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now, but it wasn't. It wasn't, and he s- keeps seeming to uh, succeed and, and, and shock those of us that are obsessed with the stars. And uh, should we get right into it, Steve? you want to start, or do you want me to start? I say we go for it, folks. Lead us in. All right. So... Are you ready to live on Mars? It could become an option soon. Now, if Elon Musk succeeds in his goals, the SpaceX CEO has a long-standing vision of establishing a city on the red planet. It would be self-sustaining. It would be home to about a million people. 
and it would transform humanity in a multi-planet species. It is perhaps Musk's most ambitious goal, one that could keep him occupied for about three decades. It's about believing in the future and thinking that the future would be better than the past, Musk said at the International Astronautical Conference in 2017 in Australia. I can't think of anything more exciting than going out there and being among the stars. Well said. Now, what is Mars City? Musk plans to build a full-size city on the surface of Mars. This would be a city open to regular people, not just scientists and researchers. People interested in moving to Mars could pay for their flight with a loan. Once there, people would be able to pay off the loan by working in anything from iron foundries to pizzerias. Musk declared at the 2016 conference that there would be a labor shortage for a long time. Now, what that brings to mind to me is um, one of my favorite movies is uh, Passengers. If you haven't seen it, I highly suggest checking it out. But uh, they're on a they're they're on a ship that's going to another planet that's it's supposed to take like ninety years to get there or one hundred and twenty years to get there, and they're in, they're in cryo sleep. And uh, long story short, two of them wake up. That's no that's not a spoiler alert, but they're talking. And the girl asks the, the main character guy, well, how did you pay for your ticket to get on this ship? And he said, well, I have a trade to offer. So when I get to this new planet, I'm going to be assisting in building homes and, uh, you know, and constructing things for people. And she was like, yeah, she went on to say, well, do you know what this company's first planet, uh, what they grossed? It was like eight quadrillion. So, I mean, you know, it's not too far off. I mean, science fiction is starting to become... It could be science fact. I mean, the things that they're talking about with these loans and trading your skill to be able to go to these planets, I see it as a good idea because you need those resources up there. Art mimics reality. Reality mimics art. So they play off of each other. That was a great uh, movie. I love that movie. What would you do if you were going to take the loan and you would need to then pay the loan off by being something? Oof. Man, I hope they need some uh, podcast hosts up there because uh, <laughs> you know what? I really don't know. I'll, I, tell, I'll tell you mine. Go for it. I would be a bartender. That's a good trade. Everybody needs a bartender. Honestly, I think I would be a great bartender. You'd walk into my bar, guarantee you'd have a great time. Enough said. Stevie A is going up to be a bartender on Mars. Stay tuned. Bartending in Mars. Now, this city would be free to govern itself on its own terms, as indicated by the Starlink Internet Service Terms and Conditions released in October of 2020. This appears to stand in contradiction to the 1967 Outer Space Treaty, which states that the launch origin country is responsible for subsequent space activities. David Anderman, who served as SpaceX's general counsel when the terms were released, suggested to Inverse in 2021 that the two documents may be set on a collision course. Now, that's not, that doesn't make any sense. I understand in 1967 the thought process that you govern by the, um, the country, country of origin, but I can also see, and that's how they do it um, out on the ocean. Like once you get past international waters, it's um, maritime law. Right, and I and I I don't think that it would be prudent to um, just send scientists from one particular country, especially on like the first launch up to Mars. 
uh, I mean, it would be arrogant to say that the smartest people in an industry come from one particular co- or country. So you, I would be gathering resources from multiple countries, and then that way you would be able to establish your own government because you're uh, in a group of representing different nations. Like the ISS, like the International yeah, Space Station. Exactly. So what did Musk say? Well, Musk estimated estimated in 2019 that it would take around 1 million tons of cargo to build a self-sustaining city on Mars. Assuming it costs $100,000 per ton to send cargo to Mars with the upcoming Starship, that would put Mars City price at about $100 billion. At the high end, Musk estimates it could cost around $10 trillion. Now, if you think about it, you know, on the low end, a hundred billion. I think he has that now. He's got pretty close, I'm sure. But a hundred billion. Let's just say it was on the low end. That's not a whole lot of money when you're considering constructing a city on a new planet. Just a hundred bill. No, what's what's impressive about that is that, and the other rich guys also are nearing that that part. Is that it, it could be one man's fortune? Yeah, I think they exactly. said that. Um, at one point, um, the Omaha, the Oracle of Omaha, um, Berkshire Hathaway guy gave away eighty-four million or eighty-four billion dollars from his fortune, and a lot of the richest people in the world have signed on to do the same thing, just as uh, phil- philanthropy to take their fortunes and just spread them out and do good to the world. Right. So this this hundred billion is very doable. I think so. Well, Steve, you want to tell us about why Musk wants to do this? Yeah. Why does he even want to do it? Like, why does Elon Musk even want to build a city on Mars? Well, Musk's stated aim is to transfer humanity into a multi-planet species, and you've heard him say that before. That's one of his founding principles. One of the reasons why he created SpaceX. Over the years, he's listed reasons as to why humanity would want to expand into the universe. One theme he regularly lists is that a life-ending event on Earth could spell the end of humanity. But humanity could live on if it's able to set up a base on a new planet like Mars. So Earth is about 4.5 billion years old. But life is still not multiplanetary, and it's extremely uncertain how much time is left to become so, Musk wrote in a Twitter post on November of 2021. Beyond very worst-case scenario, climate change, a surprise meteor strike could wipe out humanity altogether. Another reason he suggested in September of 2018 is because it's a reason to keep on living. And he, he does this kind of thing where... Not only does he change the whole industry, but he does it cool. Well, and, not, and, 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 and that can be taken in so many different ways. It's just another reason to keep on living. I mean, I don't think anybody could fault the guy if he was just like, yeah, all right, I'm retiring. I mean, the goals that he's set out to is more than it seems like 100 people could, could do in a lifetime. So for him, he's just got to keep pushing the envelope so that his brain stays active and 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 engaged in the things that he's interested in. So here's his thoughts. There's so many things that make people sad or depressed about the future, but I think becoming a spacefaring civilization is one of those things that makes you excited about the future. You know, Musk isn't the first person to call for humanity to colonize another planet. 
Is that, is that a phone? Steve with his what? phone on in the studio. Who has a phone? Uh, there's so many things to make. Okay, so Musk isn't the first person to call for humanity to colonize another planet. Professor Stephen Hawking said in 2017 that humans would need to expand out within 100 years if they hope to survive. However, astrophysicist Martin Rees said in response to Hawking and Musk that the idea was a dangerous delusion. Dealing with climate change on Earth is a doodle compared to making Mars habitable. This is where I have a problem with this guy's statement. Um, dangerous and delusional to to think that we should do this is completely dangerous and delusional because <laughs> think of uh, when Christopher Columbus said he was going to sail across the ocean. That was dangerous and delusional to people at that time. Uh, when um, when Nikola Tesla uh, and um, invented electricity. Because tech, technically, he is the one that invented electricity. They said that that was that was crazy, and that would be witchcraft. Especially when he was talking about uh, the Wi-Fi that we have today, the way that he described it. It's just to say that something's dangerous and delusional just because we don't fully understand it. To me, is just is just arrogant and ignorant. Because what what other part of life is not really adapt or die? I mean, we have to in, in today's society. Uh, as things change, you got to get with the times. Uh, look, a meteor could come crashing into Earth and destroy us just like the dinosaurs. We don't know. But if we don't have a plan that's ready to go to save humanity, well, that's all, folks. Now, let's talk a little bit about when one must first got the idea for Mars City. Now, he says it's hard to say when he first got the idea. But Ashley Vance's 2015 biography claims that by the middle of his teenage years, he had come to see a man's fate in the universe as his personal obligation. He was inspired by science fiction novels like Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker Guide to the Galaxy. Who isn't? Right. Who, the people that uh, like this genre. Science fiction novels and science fiction movies. I mean, that's where it's at. I mean, everything that we have basically developed today has come from the ideas that have been seen and obsessed about from every teenage boy and girl throughout their childhood, especially in the 80s, growing up with the Star Wars. And as grown men, we were just talking about how excited we were for some sci-fi that just came out just last night. Well, but that's what I mean. I mean, that carries on into adulthood, and that becomes like your inner child. Like, for me, when I have anxiety and such, I'll, I'll go to sci-fi. I'll put that on because I can just get lost in it, and, and nothing else matters. So, to me, it's comforting. So, look, I mean, if I had the brain like Musk, yeah, I'd be like, what's exciting to me? And what gets my inner child going is actually doing it and, and getting there. Now, the book also cites Terrence E. Benny who went to school with Musk. Now, Benny claims that Musk was already thinking about colonizing other planets in his early years. In 2001, Musk attended a meeting of the nonprofit Mars Society Group. During the event, Musk learned about the group's plan to send mice into space to inspire people. Musk started considering the prospect of sending them to Mars instead, an idea that eventually led him to founding SpaceX. Imagine that. You go from, hey, let's launch some mice into space, be like, yeah, let's send them to Mars, and I'm going to start my own uh, space company, which then NASA's going to be wanting to do everything for them. Honestly, I've seen videos of guys making missiles that are like one man. Yeah. And they get up 
like maybe not fully to orbit, but really high up in the air. And then they, they parachute them down. So there is like a nov a novice level of rocketry. It's super dangerous, but there is guys out there making their own missiles, not to the level of, of Elon. No, but I've seen videos as well and guys and they're being interviewed and they're like, Well, do you let the FAA know about when you shoot these rockets off into space? And they're like, Yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in 2007, before SpaceX had even launched its first rocket to orbit, Musk told Wired that in 30 years there would be a base on the moon and Mars. The idea took on new form in 2016 when he gave a speech at the International Astronautical Congress about his idea to make humanity into a multi-planet species. Well, if you've been following our podcast, uh, not only... Do we believe that, yeah, that's possible in 30 years? But we also believe that there's already bases on both of those. But uh, these ones, I guess, will not be built by, quote-unquote, deep state, if you will. Steve, how long is it going to take for something like this? How will Elon Musk build the city on Mars? Yeah, how, yeah. how's he going to build it? Not necessarily, I guess, a time frame. Central to the plan is the Starship. And if you've been watching, the Starship has been taking form recently. This fully reusable rocket, currently under development in Texas, will enable SpaceX to send humans and cargo to Mars. The ship will be capable of launching over 100 tons or 100 people into space at a time. Its use of liquid oxygen as methane fuel, rather than the rocket's propellant used in the Falcon 9, means explorers can fly to Mars, refuel using resources found on that planet, and then fly back to Earth. The astronauts could even venture out further into space, building a planet-hopping network of refueling stations along the way. Wow. Well, let me ask you this. If they would somehow do like a, well, I'll say like a lottery or... Kind of like when uh, when they used to do the draft, when you would get drafted into the military, they would pull like a social security number to see if people, well, to draft people. But in this case, we'll say if people wanted to go to Mars, if your social was chosen, would you go? Personally? Yeah, you personally. Yeah, we go. Would there be anything that would be holding you back? Like, would we be like, I'll go, but. Nope. No. <laughs> Steve's out of here. I, w I would go. I mean, it's not a question. Um, it's you know a personal decision. It's it's a a passion. Maybe maybe it's just something about looking up and wandering. I don't know how to explain it really. It's I'm pretty just, much with you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I've had these conversations with my wife, especially when we were watching the series where um, SpaceX launched uh, four civilians into space oh. for four or for three days. To me, that was everything. And my wife looked at me when we were watching it and was just like, you would go. I was like, in a heartbeat. Of course. So, I mean, if it was to be to Mars. Now, granted, it's, it's, it's a one-way trip, most likely. and uh, Probably not. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out more as we go on. Now, we always have to discuss uh, Jeff Bezos when we're talking about Elon Musk. And so, what does Bezos think about the Mars City idea? Well, not everybody in the space industry, of course, agrees with Musk. Jeff Bezos, the founder of the rival firm Blue Origin, 
prefers to build giant orbiting cities near the Earth to expand humanity. In May of 2019, Bezos cited research from a physicist, Gerald K. O'Neill. He asked a key question. Is planetary surface the best place for humans to expand into the solar system? O'Neill decided to answer in three key uh, answer no, and he gave three key reasons. Number one, planetary surfaces aren't that big. Humans would maybe, at best, double the amount of available land surface. They're, number two, they're a long way away. A round trip to Mars would take years. The Earth and Mars align once every 22 months or so, and the trip itself would take a few months, depending on the rocket. And number three, there won't be any real-time communications with Earth because of the distance. It takes around 20 minutes to send a signal to Mars, much slower than the tens of milliseconds it takes to communicate over the Internet. Instead, Bezos prefers to build O'Neill-style colonies in Earth's orbit. This, he claims, could support up to one trillion humans. That's immense. Now, Musk responded to Bezos' vision later that month, stating, It makes no sense. In order to grow the colony, you have to transport vast amounts of mass from planets, moons, and asteroids. would be like trying to build the USA in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. Yeah, I mean... I've I I can see how we would want a and it would probably be a like um big circular ship type thing that would be right off the planet. Well, yeah, and and or traveling throughout maybe our solar system because well, like like uh, my favorite movie Interstellar that's exactly what they were doing because of the way the conditions that the earth was in. They, they couldn't grow crops anymore. So they needed to get off of earth. So they were building just what they were describing, this, this basically humongous space station. But the problem in the movie was finding out how to manipulate gravity to be able to get this big planet that they're going to be living on off earth and, You know, those are the trials and tribulations of of Interstellar. Now, Steve, what's the design for Mars City? Well, the city would begin initially with a series of bases, gradually expanding over time. And that's pretty much how you would build any city. Well, sure. If you were going to a different, you would use, you know, your rocket. Whatever you went there in would be your home up until you could get your gear out and get everything set up. And you have your little modules and all your goodies. Right. Now, this is going to be extremely expensive, obviously. Now, Musk claimed in 2019 that a return ticket could cost around $500,000 initially, dropping to $100,000 over time. Now, Musk's goal in 2016 was to reach a ticket price around the median price of a house in the United States. That suggests that people could sell their house and move to Mars if they own their, own, if they own their house outright. Another option Musk suggested would be a personal loan. Visitors would pay off the loan by getting a job to help fill the city's labor shortages. It's an idea that arguably bears a resemblance to the 19th century American company towns where employees lived in a city owned by their employer. Especially in the early days, Mars may not have many choices for local employment. You'll need to pay off that loan for your flight. Now, Gunter Lang, an economics professor at Kuhn Logistics University in Germany, drew this plan into question in May of 2019 interview with Inverse. After all, if you're rich enough to go, 
why would you give up that luxury? Well, you give up that luxury for the same reason we just talked about, because you want to be up there. Yeah, you want to be up there. You want to be one of the firsts to do things. And that city that they're talking about with the labor shortage, I'm sure that they're not going to take it easy on you. I mean, they've probably got mines. You probably have to work the mines or... I mean, I wouldn't. I'd be the bartender. I was about to say they don't got to worry about anything else because Steve's slanging drinks at a at the Mars Hotel. They'd be like, "Why are you not working the mines?" And I would say, "How else are you going to get these drinks?" Stevie A, keeping everybody level headed after work, if there Chill- is any work to be had. Chilling people out, hard day at the mines. That's cool, man. Have a beer. All right, so Steve, talk a little bit about when this could be up and operational. Well, here's here's a little. Uh, Outline. In 2017, Musk outlined an aspirational plan to send two cargo ships to Mars as early as 2022. It would then send four ships at the next closest approach, two crewed ships and two cargo ships in 2024. That's cool that they can send remote ships. That is. That's beast mode. But you know, they're sending, I mean, the cars are remote, so why wouldn't the ships be remote? Couldn't agree more. Mars and Earth are at their closest around once every 26 months. The distance between the two at this time reduces it to around 33.9 million miles. That's a lot. So could you imagine being like, so what's the difference if we go now (laughs) versus at the 26-month mark? Well, it saves us 33.9 million miles. Okay, I see why. We're going to (laughs) wait. We'll wait. In March of 2019, Musk wrote on Twitter that it's possible to make a self-sustaining city on Mars by 2050, and that date is creeping up fast. Yep, it is. If we start in five or ten years, um, if we start in five years and take ten orbital synchronizations with 26 months between the synchronizations, that would mean that it would take around 22 years at a minimum to build the city. Musk has set himself a deadline of a sustaining uh, city on Mars with a million people by 2050, which would make Musk 79 years old. Wow. He did vow to die on Mars. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's something different that you don't hear too often about is the people that build the rockets actually getting on them. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Werner von Braun he wasn't getting anywhere near those rockets he built. He liked land. He liked land, and uh, I think he knew that's a bomb, really, that <laughs> you're taking up into space. A lot of destruction. So, all right. So, oh, so here's a good question because if we're going to be starting a civilization on Mars, eventually would it be able to be terraformed? Now, for those of you unfamiliar with that term, terraforming is creating an an atmosphere and possibly a breathable breathable atmosphere on a planet that is desolate and barren just like Mars and we're going to get into how and will Musk be able to do that now Musk says probably not in his lifetime but he does have some ideas at SpaceX headquarters next to the lobby the company has two images that show a before and after of a terraformed Mars The current surface temperature on Mars is an average of minus 63 degrees Celsius or minus 82 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, Musk's idea is to heat up the planet's poles to release stores of frozen carbon dioxide. This would use a series of continuous, low-fallout nuclear fusion explosions to act as artificial suns. Now, what does that mean exactly? 
That means that before we could, I guess, even have a civilization there, we have to, or Musk, SpaceX has to nuke Mars a few times. Well, yeah, they got to get the uh, opposite polar set up. That's what, that's what they want to do. They, they want to superheat some of the rock and the mass that's there to get uh, a little atmosphere, but it's really to get that planet charged with the polarities. So you're nuking it to get the magnetic charges on the, the polar uh, opposites of the planet. And it's got to be pretty dangerous to try. It's got to be dangerous, but I guess if you want to be able to, at some point, be able to walk around without a helmet on, that it would seem necessary. I mean, if this is going to be the future of humanity, you have to figure out a way for it to resemble at least a time from an Earth when you could walk around without a, a, a spacesuit, for the lack of a better term. Now, I know the atmosphere there is different than that on the moon. So on Mars, you wouldn't need one of those big, big spacesuits that they do on spacewalks for a the space station, but more th- a thinner suit um, that obviously needs to protect you from radiation. But then you have like a breathable helmet and oxygen tank. You're able to move more freely, from what I understand. But uh, it would be great to be able to ditch that at some point. So those nukes not only are getting the poles in line and everything, it's real. It's able to release so much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere that it starts to create an actual atmosphere. And then at some point, when you have it. I guess to a point where you can start growing plant life and such, then that plant life will start creating oxygen. And I think I read one time from start to finish to terraform a planet, it would take around a hundred years. That's not too bad. You know, there's that uh, part of the news where they talk about how strong the sun's rays are that day and they give you the burn time. And they always say, you know, right like July, they're like, and the burn time today down to just 14 minutes. So if you're out there, you leave your house, you go out in the sun, no suntan lotion, no protection at all. Within 14 minutes, you're already getting a sunburn. And that's here on Earth. Yeah. So you can only imagine that on other planets with a thinner atmosphere, um, not protecting you from the sun's radiation, that you would get burnt or something similar maybe radiation poisoning or some effect would occur to you fairly quickly and yeah and and mars is even further away away from earth which is which is crazy so i can imagine the burn time there's probably like one second i mean well it's further from the sun too though yeah it's further from the sun but it doesn't have the atmosphere to block out it, it doesn't that's what really protects you is that atmosphere yeah so yeah, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to nuke it to get this get this started. Now the idea would be to use carbon dioxide stores to create a more hospitable atmosphere. Humans could then walk around the planet using just a breathing apparatus. That's the theory, at least. In practice, Bruce Jakowski and Christopher S. Edwards published a paper in the journal Nature Astronomy back in 2018 that drew that plan into question. It argued there is not enough CO2 remaining on Mars to provide significant greenhouse warming were the gas to be emplaced into the atmosphere. The paper found that vaporizing Mars, carbon-rich sedimentary rock, would release enough gas for around 12 millibars of atmospheric pressure. Now, by comparison, Earth's atmospheric is around 1,000 millibars at sea level. Joukowsky and Edwards publicly discussed with Musk as whether there was enough carbon dioxide lurking beneath the surface. 
This, the three seem to agree. However, the technology to terraform Mars is some ways away yet. Yeah, I would, I would say, because uh, uh, I guess the best idea at hand right now is uh, nuking it. Well, you know, they also don't take into consideration that there's going to be humans on that planet. And humans, for lack of a better term, are just like bacteria. So we're going to have a bunch of trash. You throw that outside. That starts to decompose. Now all of a sudden that's putting gas up there in the Earth or in the Mars atmosphere. You're going to have us uh, using the restroom. We're going to need to do something with that. All of the things that humans require and then dispose of are just going to create more of an atmosphere. Like here on Earth, we have the global warming because we're just too much for one planet. Yeah, so we'll move along to Mars and start to junk that up. And that'll create the atmosphere, no problem. But I guess that's how that that's how I guess humanity sees uh, multi-planetary species at this point. All right, we screwed up this planet. Let's move on to the next. Well, it looks like we're going to have to move out to a moon of Saturn after after Mars because we've trashed that place. Yeah. Yeah, remember when Mars was cool? I remember when we before Mars. It would be interesting that to see a fully terraformed Mars if it would in fact create oceans as well because you would need that for a self-sustaining planet. I mean, you need if they want a million people up there, what do they say by 2050 or something like that? A million people consume a lot of water. Now, not oceans worth, but those people are going to have offspring and so on and so forth. I mean, it's not going to be too long before you're like... I mean, you almost want it to be fully covered in ocean water. Basically, just like here on Earth. Just little little plotches of land. Yeah, I mean, because here on Earth, we, we don't have a water problem. We have a salt problem. <laughs> <laughs> we got plenty of water. We don't have a water problem, so we just need to extract that salt. So, But I guess if you would create an atmosphere uh, by terraforming, that there would be... Rain, I guess. I mean, oh, yeah, I don't it know. Would make clouds. It would rain. I mean, it would pull moisture from the air at some point, I guess, and rain. And like I said, to fully terraform planet, a hundred years. I mean, maybe in a hundred years they'd have like some great lakes or something like that. I don't know. It'll be interesting to uh, see what happens. Well, I mean, this this idea that I keep thinking of while we're doing this episode is um, in Total Recall when they take the oxygen off of the planet. Oh yeah, and their like eyes are coming out of their heads, but. And- the, the exact scene afterwards where they dump it back in and they show it all like rushing down. Yeah, and, well, and what's taking place in that movie is they're actually, they're, they're melting ice that was trapped in Mars to release a breathable atmosphere, which is similar to this other than like nuking it. But uh, in, in, in that movie, they were just burning it off and, and releasing it. And it happened fairly quickly, like almost instantaneously in the movie. But, I mean, again, that goes back to uh, science fiction inspiring things of the future. I mean, uh, if you look at um, 2001 The Space Odyssey, I mean, to have a, a robot that could actually interact and actually make decisions seemed impossible. And now today, AI is basically running our computer system and our in our computer way of life and look anything that seemed ridiculous back then it doesn't seem so crazy anymore dude yesterday i didn't set my alarm i set an alarm for the same time every day um and my iphone popped a little message up and said would you like to set your alarm exactly for the same time that you said it every Thanks day. To that nature. it's like oh thank you very much i can remember being a kid 
and the phone would ring and you would talk to people on the phone and I would have discussions with my siblings like, wouldn't it be cool if you could see the person on the other side? Right. Now it's an option when you call someone. Would you like to FaceTime? And I tell my children all the time, you don't understand what you have in your hand. You have about 15 different things that we would have to lug with us in order to do everything that you can do on that phone. A video camera. Then you'd have to have a separate camera. Then you'd have to have like a a calendar in your pocket uh, of your daily schedules and things like that. A calculator. Yeah, I mean... I always tell them, I like my ten-year-old version of myself is freaking out on today's technology. It's it's incredible. And look, we couldn't even we couldn't even see that. I mean, we saw things like that on the Jetsons when as a kid. That's why we were saying, wouldn't it be cool if you could see things on the other end? I would say about ninety percent of the things that took place in the Jetsons we have now to some capacity. It's true. It it imitates life. Then. Life imitates art, and it goes back and forth. So if you can think it, eventually we can create it. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just the law of attraction at work right there. I mean, like attracts like. And if you believe in it and you just never give up, look. Look what Musk has done so far. So for anybody to say that his goal of getting humanity on Mars and starting a civilization is out there wacky, reckless, and dangerous, well, then you don't really know your history too well, I would have to say. Because everything that we have done to create where we are living today has been reckless and dangerous and lives have been lost and there's been bloodshed and there's been risk and there's been heartache. But look, you reach into your phone and you grab your phone and you're just like, see what's going on on social media. Well, there was a lot that took place before that could even happen. History favors the bold. Yes, it certainly does. And Elon Musk is exactly that. Well, I don't see a better place to end the show than right then and there. That that was perfect for me, Steve. Yep. And uh, so Mars City, stay tuned, 2050. And on that note, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. We'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.